Before we jump into the episode, here's a quick disclaimer about our content. The Remote Real Estate Investor Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as investment advice. The views, opinions, and strategies of both the hosts and the guests are their own and should not be considered as guidance from Roofstock. Make sure to always run your own numbers, make your own independent decisions, and seek investment advice from licensed professionals. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Remote Real Estate Investor. I'm Michael Albaum, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tom Schneider and Emil Shore. And today we're going to be tackling one of the questions we got from a webinar we did recently as part of the Rootstock Academy. Recently did an AMA, which is an Ask Me Anything, and we kind of relabeled it an Ask Michael Anything webinar. It was a lot of fun. If you missed it, we missed you and look forward to seeing you on the next Rootstock Academy webinar. But a question we got that we didn't have time to answer during the webinar is words of wisdom to share for the first year or two when your rental operates at a loss. How do you know when to cut your losses? We saw the question, we're like, man, this is a killer question. So Emil, I am just going to farm it out to you because I know you got really excited about it. What do, what do you say to folks out there that have this experience or are thinking about investing in a property and this is a concern that they have? All right. So I got excited about this because uh, it's basically what happened with the triplex, right? I bought it in November. So the first year. November of what wash, year? November of 2020. Okay. Most of 2021 was spent rehabbing the property because I knew rent was under market. So, you know, it was kind of in the middle of COVID, a lot of vendor issues, just took us a long time to get everything done. So 2021, major loss, but now we're we're good. We've got good tenants in there. I had to get a new property manager and we're at rents that I actually, I think a little bit higher than the pro forma I had when I bought the place. So my first year or two was operating at a loss. And now I feel like is going to be the true test of does the property perform? So uh, th that's my long-winded way of saying, I guess it depends on how you bought it. Like if you bought it turnkey and it's operating at a loss for the first couple of years, maybe that's not the greatest sign. But if you bought it knowing maybe you're going to have to update things, you know, you, you knew like the roof was going to go out sooner, some, something where you knew these expenses were going to come along and that's fine. You know, it's going to be a loss originally. Um, but then, hey, you're not going to have to pay for that thing for a long time, right? You replace it and now you got a brand new HVAC or roof or kitchen or whatever it may be. So uh, my answer is it depends <laughs> on those factors. <laughs> <laughs> Love the clear cuttedness, yeah. the directness. Tom, your thoughts, man. Jump in. I think in making decisions, like you should try like as much as possible to like have it like already kind of like set up in advance. So um perhaps there's like thresholds you can kind of set on expectations i mean this might be a little bit like unrealistic for this scenario um so i'm gonna change my answer i'm gonna say <laughs> i think <laughs> like strategy wise um like are you planning for like a longer longer term buy and hold um like if that's the case um you know the initial kind of like upfront expenses perhaps it's stuff that were going to happen anyways like it was kind of like aging whatnot so i think it's um you know having that kind of like plan up front on like what your ultimate strategy is like let that inform these kind of decisions in the moment i like that i kind of got two different uh, distinct uh answers there 
Yeah, I guess. Okay, so as, as a challenge to that, Tom, if I'm someone I'm buying turnkey, kind of like Emil mentioned, and I'm planning, uh, I, I plan and I identify as a long term buy and hold investor, but the first two years just don't go my way. Don't, you know, have a couple more expenses than anticipated. So I'm operating at a loss. What should I do? Um, I think there's like a little more context. So like where, where are your, where's your value relative to, or where's your like buy price versus the current, like where the value's at, like could kind of go into that. I'd say probably a mistake. You need to also factor in like transaction costs. Like let's say you were to like sell and then rebuy, like that should go into the calculus of like what you're going to pay, you know, on the agent side and just the the friction of selling. So I, I think like that should go in count. So it's like, there's, it's sort of a, a lot of different colors to this painting of a decision. Um, and as detailed as you can be, like of these different considerations, uh, should go into the process of, you know, do you sell it or do you buy it? I mean, this isn't like a great answer because it's like kind of like asking other questions, but I feel like a lot of times like the best answers for this kind of stuff are um, asking additional questions that you should be kind of unearthed before making that decision. Makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense. Emil, I love your point about like, oh, is it turnkey or is it known that there's expenses that are going to force you to operate at a loss, even if all of the things went well, like if you look at the numbers, you still put more money into it than you got out of it. So that by definition yeah, it's like, is a loss. It's like, what were you expecting, right? Like, uh, you know, I almost don't look at it as a, a loss on the renovation. It's almost part of my upfront investment. So let's say I spent 20, I probably spent about 20, 25K repairing it. I'm not really looking at last year as a 25K loss, even though that is how it is on the like profit and loss, however you want to look at it. I'm more looking at it like, okay, here was my purchase price. I had to add 25K. Now, what is my return on that going forward? Yep. I think that makes a ton of sense. So how do you think about like knowing when to cut your losses? If you're anticipating, hey, I'm going to get this thing up to, on the triplex is a perfect example. Hey, I'm going to get this thing up to market rent. I spent the 20, 25K on the renovations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having trouble leasing it. I'm not getting the market rent I thought I was. Do you say, well, let's cut our losses and run? I mean, how, how long are you going to hold on to that for? That is a very good question. And I I wish I had a really good answer for that very good question. <laughs> it's, it's hard. Man. It, it's like, are you in an appreciating environment, right? Like, like Tom kind of mentioned, if your property value is going up, you're making money in an indirect way uh, to potentially be able to sell later. Are you in a environment where the value is going down? Do you... I don't even know if you're, if you're, if it's going down, <laughs> do, do you sell it then? Like, or do you say, you know right. what? I think in 10 years, I guess it really just depends on like your, this, this sucks in real estate investing, but like your gut feeling on what you should do. Like, do you have a bad property manager? Do you not feel really good about the market? If you have a good property manager and you feel really good about the market long term, you know, maybe you have more conviction to just kind of weather the storm and hold on for longer and see like, how does it perform in years three to five instead of just determining, you know, one or two years? I don't know. I I appreciate like that concept and I, I agree to it to an extent, but I'm going to push back a little bit because I'm afraid that too many people's gut feel when you're in the thick of it is all doom and gloom. And so when your renovation went over budget and your property manager sucks and 
you know, uh, your your properties went into foreclosure because you didn't recognize that your loan didn't get auto paid. Like all these things are bearing down on you. I think it's really difficult, even if you're in an appreciating killer market, mm. to see that you're carrying all these all these things on your shoulders or on your back or wherever you're going to carry them. And it's so hard to hold your head up high and see the greater good. And so trusting our gut, I think, can oftentimes make us lead us down the to make incorrect decisions. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I guess to my original point, like humans are notoriously kind of can be very bad at making decisions. So like as much as you can bake sort of a decision tree, like up front um, with regards of like expectations on what kind of ranges where we hold cut bait, like, I don't know. I think that's like a really interesting exercise just so kind of in the heat of the moment, you don't have to put yourself at risk of needing to make decisions that could be like potentially a little bit emotional. Yeah. I have this buddy, and um, this is kind of like a stock market analogy. He set a stop loss limit on his stock at like the super low price, and because he didn't want to lose any any more than that. So for anyone who doesn't know, basically a stop loss limit is if the stock hits a certain price, drops to a certain price, it'll automatically sell either all of the shares or the amount of shares that you determine or a dollar value you determine. Uh, so that way you you kind of hedge your downside. Well, he did that and the stock price dropped one cent below, sold all his shares and then skyrocketed back up like way above and beyond where it was starting at the day. And he was just like, oh my God, like this sucks. I'm like, yeah, dude, like, why would you do that? That's not a, that's not a thesis that I believe in. That's not something that I would ever do. I'm like, man, I'm going all the way down. If it's going to go down, I'm riding it down, (laughs) down into the ground. And I've done that before. I've rode stocks to zero, uh, which someone could say that probably wasn't the best decision, but that's, that's how I invest in the stock market. In any case, I think that so often we have these kind of dips, like these, these lows and these highs and, and real estate is no different. Like things can seem like they're really down in the dumps and they're going terribly. And, and just sometimes we have to ride it out. And if you have the wherewithal, like the mental fortitude, the wherewithal, the financial backing to be able to do that, great. Because the one thing we don't want to do is sell out of necessity or have a fire sale because now we're being forced to sell. If I could recommend that anyone sell at any given time, it would be when it's ideal for them or when they've set the kind of, they're able to dictate the the terms under which they are selling. I think that puts you in a much more powerful position. I'll, I'll share an example just for my personal, like, Portfolio, I bought a property back in the day. It was an eight unit in the Midwest. I bought it for 305000 The rent in place rent at the time was like 4850 So on paper, just like killer, killer property. And the expenses were just through the roof. A lot of deferred maintenance that I wasn't aware of. A lot of like death by a thousand cuts type of ordeal where just one thing after another, after another, after another was going wrong and the repair dollar amounts were stacking up. And I'm like, man, should I sell this thing? Should I just get rid of it? I kept it. And today the in-place rents are like 7,500, 7,400. Over like a four or five year period, the rents have gone up $3,000 a month. And so now there are still some of these kind of miscellaneous, erroneous pain in the butt maintenance items, but the rents have gone up so much that it really takes care of itself. And so I think, Tom, to use an analogy that you often say, real estate so often is going up and to the right from a value standpoint and from a rent standpoint. And so I think if you can hang on, even if you are operating at a loss for a couple of years uh, and it doesn't change your lifestyle, like it's not a massive, massive, massive loss, hanging on can often get you through the worst of it. Now, that's not to say never sell. That's not to say never cut your losses and run. But oftentimes, I think it can make sense to really hang on 
uh, especially when you're just getting started, because you might not know how beneficial that real estate investment could be over time. Yeah. Conservative underwriting. <laughs> Another, uh, yeah, good takeaway. And yeah, I totally agree. That's like, a, I think a, like a I have short story. I like yours a lot better. Uh, but, you know, I had a friend who bought and he like had a few issues like with, you know, rent collection where it was just delayed or some like maintenance came up and he like kind of like panic sold. And it was like, man, like, why, why'd you do that? Like, yeah. um, anyways, but yeah, fortitude. I like, I like that and be kind of prepared for the, for that kind of stuff in your underwriting. Yep. Yeah, I guess that reminds me of like my very first property. I've shared it on, on prior podcast episodes, but I just got absolutely hammered with my very first tenant uh, exiting, like leaving the property back to evict them. They smeared human feces on the wall, a small claims court. Like it was just such a whole ordeal. Uh, and I remember like one of you guys asked me, well, why did you keep investing? And well, I was too stupid to know any differently. I was like, I didn't know that it could like that isn't the norm that those kind of things can happen, but that's not traditional. Uh, and so... I think if I had stopped investing or I had sold that property, I would have been definitely bummed because I actually just sold that property recently in a 1031 exchange and it had doubled in value over the course of, I don't know, eight, eight years, nine years, something like that. Um, and so I'm super thankful I held on to it. I'm super thankful I was too dumb and too green to, to know that I should have sold. And so I think, Tom, you made the point too of thinking about the selling costs associated with selling the property and you're going to pay like 6% to an agent. Probably if you go through Rustock, you're going to pay 3%. So just for the agent costs, there are often other costs and fees associated with it. So even if the property has appreciated, you still might be selling at a loss because of those fees uh, associated with selling. So I think you got to think long and hard about, about it versus what the potential upside is and talk to other people, like talk to other investors in the area, what they're seeing, because like we mentioned, it can be really hard to see the benefits and the upside when you're down in the in the thick of it. Way better to like feel good about a property. It's been doing really well. And then you're like, I think I'm ready to sell this. Then like you've just been, you know, you, you've hit the hard part and you're like selling into that right before it potentially is just like going to do well for you. This is another kind of shout out for like mentorship is like another big thing. Cause like, you know, you might have like subjective getting some like subjective outside stuff. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I love that I can bounce this stuff off of Michael and Emil. So um, like getting, getting um, mentors, you know, is, uh, is, <laughs> is up there. I'd say like, you know, making sure you're underwriting conservatively and then getting a second pair of eyes is, is really helpful. Totally. What was the, was in a Gandalf who said like, it's always darkest before the storm or like, or before the day, I don't know, something like that. You're Gandalf. Yeah, not before the storm. You like my Gandalf impression? <laughs> yeah, really good. Oh man. And with that, let's, uh, let's get go. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, that was our episode. Thanks so much for hanging in with us, uh, especially towards the end there. It was kind of touch and go. Uh, if you like the episode, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. We love answering AMAs type questions. So if there's something that you want to hear more about or get answered on the podcast, leave us a note in the comment section and we'll try to get to it on episode. As always, we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Happy investing. Happy investing. Happy investing.